Hey, welcome to the Health Coaches Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's episode, a question. Would you like to become a wicked effective health coach to help people change their behaviors, change their habits, change their health destinies, and to be able to do it through a reliable process, one that works every time? If so, I'd invite you to check out the WellStart Health Coach Training Academy. And you can find it at wellstartcoach.com. And you can check and see when we're running our next training course. All right, let's get to today's topic. Margot Freitag, welcome to the Health Coaches Podcast. Thanks for having me, Howard. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so uh, as I was, I was saying to you before we started, one of, one of the ways that I found guests for this podcast was going through my Plant Yourself podcast and looking at the names of everybody whom I had a conversation with who taught me something that made me a better coach. And you are one of those. So I wanted to circle back with you. And first, like, just introduce yourself. All right. Well, my name is Margot Freitag, and I am Canadian, live up here uh, just north of Minnesota. And um, I spend my days helping mostly women, some men, but mostly women in their 40s and 50s and beyond, uh, getting uh, getting healthier, losing weight, and um, living a more purposeful and happier life. And we do that through a variety of ways. We always uh, focus on plant-based nutrition as the kind of guiding force. My background is in um, uh, teaching. I'm a high school and junior and elementary uh, teacher. And um, I'm also a massage therapist, fitness uh, professional, and um, holistic nutritionist. Great. So when I went over my notes about what I wanted to talk to you about, the thing that really jumped out at me was your work with clients with your Mustangs, with horses. Yeah. Um, and we're in the middle of you know lockdown, quarantine, pandemic, social distancing. So I'm imagining you're not doing a ton of massage therapy, in-person fitness training or in-person coaching, and you're helping people transition their practices to online. So can you talk about what's what's the difference between working with people online and working with people in person? You know, working with people in person is great and important for a lot of people, but it's not important for everybody. And uh, I think the most important thing is that you can really achieve great things. In fact, you can help people to become their own um, their, their own healer when they have to do it. It's sort of like, um, as, as a massage therapist, you know, if people, and I'm actually not practicing as a massage therapist anymore, but you know, there are the people that come to you and they lay on the table and they say, fix me. Hmm. And then there are the people that come to you and lay on the table and say, I have this problem. I'm doing everything I can to make it better. And this is the part of that. So, you know, I mean, in person can be great if you are self-motivated and, and you want to uh, tackle all angles to get to a result. In person is not a good idea for people who just want uh, you to do everything for them. So in a way, it's really nice to be um, online and working with people online because 
people get, um, they, they have to integrate their other ways of learning to implement change in their own lives. And so that's what I really like about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what do you mean by ways of learning? So, I mean, we all have ways that we learn best. And uh, some, some people are visual learners. Some people are great at listening and taking direction. They're auditory learners. Some people are tactile or kinesthetic learners where they actually have to do something. Um, and some people like to learn in groups and some people like to learn privately. You know, there are so many ways of learning. And, and um, most of us, have one or two ways that really stand out for us. So I don't know what yours would be, Howard. I can tell you mine is uh, visual and also auditory. So for example, if I have to remember a number, if I say it out loud to myself, I never forget it. Hmm. Um, if I need to really remember how to do something, I have to actually do it. I can't just read through it and remember. Hmm. How about you? Um, certainly uh, visual and auditory. Um, but yeah. so, but but I think it's context based too, right? Like if I'm trying to like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do a bunch of things around the house that I never really learned how to do, you know, like cut wood or we're, we're putting in an irrigation system in our garden. And for those things, I can watch videos and read manuals all day and they will just make me cry. But when someone comes <laughs> over and then like has me do it, then it, Right. So I, for, for me, it feels like they're uh, different situations call for for different learning modes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and so I think the most important thing for people who are working with clients online is that they integrate into their practices and into their teaching and coaching as many learning styles as they can. So, you know, give people a task, get them to do something, give something to read, have people listen. Um, you know, get somebody talking with their peers in a group situation, sharing in a group, get people working individually. Um, you know, all of these things I think are really important and people will grasp because they'll grasp whatever works for them the best. Um, and I think that's really important because we want our people to succeed, right? That's the most important thing. You can have the best content in the world, but if you can't deliver it in a way that's meaningful and uh, change making, then then we're not doing anybody. Any OK, so when I was a kid and I'm, I'm 55, so like early 70s, we didn't have such things as learning styles. You were either stupid or smart. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So a lot of people I work with are of that era um, and they may come in and they may be very scared or frustrated. They had a bad you know, experience in school or then or, you know, now like real weirdly, Everyone's used to Zoom like two months ago, three months ago, they we would do Zoom calls and people are like this is new. What's this button? Now everyone uh, associates Zoom with, you know, the work meetings or their kids school. And so all the bad, the scary feelings about being the dumb one in class or getting it wrong are starting to come up. How, how do you help mm -hmm. people who don't do, like do you overtly tell people like here, I'm going to be I'm going to be working with different learning styles or do you just sort of like do it without saying? No, we I don't really discuss that with people um, in, initially. I mean, initially we have to get people on Zoom or we have to get people into a course portal and they have to remember a password or write it down or, you know, whatever those things are. 
And um, we just encourage people, you know, they have to know that if they want change in their lives, they're going to have to get uncomfortable, right? And that's going to mean, you know, for us learning some weird new technology um, for, for our teenagers and our kids. Well, that's nothing. I mean, they grew up with this. When I have a problem with anything tech related, I just call one of my teenagers and they come to my rescue. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, um, we're learning all the time too. And, and it can be frustrated, like you are frustrating, like you just mentioned the YouTube videos. <laughs> but I mean, if we step into that discomfort, it gives us confidence, right? Um, we do something uncomfortable, we learn, and we take a step and then we get a little bit more confident. And that's, <clears throat> that's what makes learning so beautiful is that we, we actually uh, empower ourselves. And so um, I think this is just these small things that are, you know, maybe side pieces to whatever it is you're coaching can really help people along and help them believe that they can. Hmm. Um, and, yeah. 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 And I'm, th I'm thinking back to like most, like I say my coaching is sort of 50 50 group on Zoom or individual over the phone. And I don't exactly know why I don't like to do video coaching. I suspect I don't like shaving. So like it may, it may be as, as stupid and shallow as that. But I do like being able to close my eyes, to lay down, to go walk in nature while I'm listening to the person I'm coaching. So I become like exclusively auditory there. But I'm thinking about times where it felt like people were disengaged or were struggling with the content or the challenge that they were facing. And they may actually just have been in a learning style or learning mode that was unsuitable or uncomfortable. And I would have totally missed it and attributed it to something else. Yeah. Um, again, I think it's a comfort level. And and yes, people do learn in different ways. And I have had situations where, you know, I'm on the phone with somebody and I can hear them unloading the dishwasher or taking the garbage out or, you know, and, and trying to be engaged in a conversation. And I I feel like, you know, there was a time where I, I felt, you know, frustration around that. And then I realized that people are, um, when they're uncomfortable or when they're not in their best learning mode, whatever that is, it might be a learning style, it might be a time of day, it might be discomfort around the, the content or the topic, they, people will disassociate, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we engage them? And I often find that asking them ahead of time, um, you know, to to make sure that they're free and clear of everything else and that we have this time together and this is what we're doing, whether it's on the phone or on video. But what I do like about video, Howard, is that people are forced to sit and look at you. You know, mm -hmm. you have they can't they can't unload the dishwasher while they're sitting and looking at you. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, but let me let me yeah. let me challenge you a little bit with that, because. I remember when my son was 11 or 12, he was really struggling in math class and we had a specialist work with him. And the way she got him to do math was to sit on a Swiss ball when he did his homework. Awesome. And like and so the movement actually it was like from are there people for whom emptying the dishwasher or or weeding or doing other things can actually make them more available to the process and to you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. Um, so then it might be a question of getting them to self-awareness around that, because I, I will not work with someone who's driving. 
right? right? Sometimes people will call me from their car and I'm like, no, let's, you know, partly I'm just like insulted, <laughs> like, right? Like, um, I'm, I'm um, you know, oh, we back? Oh, I lost you there we, for a we, minute. We blew for a second. It's right. You froze and I, and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Um, like I was saying that so you said, some, yeah, yeah go that, ahead. that when when I'm working with someone and they call in and I hear that they're driving, I will end the call. I'll say, let's talk again. Like partly it feels yeah. like a like a slap, like the, the, that's how unimportant this is to them. Um, and partly right. they're not they're not going to get anything out of it or or worse. They're going to focus on me and get sideswiped. Um, but I think there are times when someone's doing something else with their body that allows them to engage. I think this is true, especially it, it's especially true of children who we force to sit in a desk and, and not move hmm. for several hours at a time. And so, yes, I agree with that. Um, and as long as they're getting results and um, uh, it's working for them, I think it's OK. We can't. You know, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. They shouldn't be driving and and listening how you, you've got to be able to take notes or write things down. And that's another thing. I think that's the other part of this is that people should be writing and taking notes while they are working with you. Hopefully, hmm. you know, how, how we come? have worksheets for more. Yeah. yeah. Why? What, what's what's the what's the importance of them taking notes? Well, I think it's just like being in class. You know, we have to keep a, a kind of a tally of the important points. Um, it also helps to keep us focused. And um, and we, we just know that they're engaged mm. and they know that they're engaged. And it's also a learning style, right? It's something that not everybody just remembers. I mean, some people are really great at remembering. Um, and for people who can't take notes or even for people who are more auditory learners, um, I always record the calls. That's the other thing that I would tell coaches, a really good idea and a really nice offering for your clients is if you can record the call and offer it to them in a link later on so that they can refer to it again, mm. uh, people really do appreciate that. See, now here, here I was thinking, well, I don't ask my people to take notes because I record the calls, but you're yeah, saying yeah. recording the, the taking notes is its own thing is it's if, if I see myself taking notes, then I t the story I tell myself is this must be important. Yeah, I think that's right. Hmm. I'm, yeah. uh, and now I'm, I'm learning more from you. <laughs> so so just the mechanics of, of like, I can imagine people are going, oh, my God, I'm going to record a call. How am I going to do that? If, if you're doing Zoom, it's pretty easy, right? Yeah, Zoom is great that way, you know, and Skype too. And these these platforms are pretty much all, you know, really, really good for that. Um, instant teleseminar is great if you're just doing auditory calls, you can record them. Um, yeah, it's not hard. You know, again, we have to step into that being discomfort, that discomfort around uh, technology and and we learn it. And these days, if you if you go in the little chat on on Zoom, it used to be like two months ago, you could go in there and you'd be the second in the queue. And now you're like the 550th in the queue for, to have your question asked. I don't know if you noticed that, Howard. Oh, not, but, not uh, on my calls. There's, <laughs> I don't I don't attract hundreds of people. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, um, I think the more that we can offer our people, the better, the better 
you know, chances we have of helping them transform their lives. So all of the learning styles, all of the options for, you know, having them journal, having them take notes during the call, recording the calls. Um, and, you know, if this feels really overwhelming, like how am I going to make all this happen, then, you know, you don't have to start off this way. Start off in the way that feels most comfortable. Great. So what other let's let's talk now. We've kind of gotten through the sort of the theory of learning styles and, and giving people enough that they can find their way. Um, what would you say to coaches who are like, OK, so I've got to embrace this online world. Just like where, where do they start? So nobody has to, but it's definitely the way of the future. I think for a lot of practitioners, I'm thinking about people that I uh, have been talking to recently, like massage therapists, chiropractors, people who already have a foundation, um, and yet they're guide they're they're sort of limited with what they can do because they have um, you know colleges that restrict what they can do, say online, for example. Um, so, where do they start? What is your niche? You know, who do you want to serve? Who do you want to help? I think this is the very early stage of what you need to have a solid understanding on. You can't just create something and put it out there. Um, let's figure out where you really want to serve, what it is, what is the message, what is the transformational uh, information that you have to share, and who very specifically is the person that you're going to help. And when I work on avatars, we call them avatars, you know, your ideal mm -hmm. client, who is that person? I mean, I get people to work it down right to the name of the individual. Who are they? What do they like? What is it that they need from me? And then I know who to create my material for. Um, that's where you start, right? And then you have to decide how you're going to build your audience and how you're going to get your stuff out there and how you're going to get, you know, people to come to you. Uh, the thing that worked really well for me early on was getting an audience and asking them what they need. So Howard, I don't know if you're familiar with SurveyMonkey, but that's been just a fantastic tool to find out what the people who are on, you know, who are subscribed to my email list um, to find out what they really need and then creating content around that. Hmm. So it's, you know, in a sense, part of me is hearing this with a mind going, oh, this is all the yucky marketing stuff. Right. Yeah. And but yeah. part of me is is hearing that you're doing exactly what you do as a coach, which is meeting people where they're at, discovering what their goals and needs are. And you're just you're doing it in a prospective general way and making it as specific as possible by imagining a name. Yes, 100 percent. Right. So I remember yeah. I can't remember the, the guy's name. He was a copywriter. He died three or four years ago, I think. He was the, the copywriter who created like the the Volkswagen Beetle ad, like a lot of sort of iconic stuff. And he said his method was if he would, he would start writing a sales letter. He would start by writing Dear Charlie, and then he would write as if he was writing to someone. And when he was yep. done, he would just cross out Dear Charlie and then mail it to, right. to his editor. Right. And Charlie was either his his favorite client his best friend, uh, somebody that yeah. he really cared about and felt comfortable with, right? So yeah. we all love receiving mail and um, we all we all love 
sending a, a, a message or sending mail, even though we don't write letters too much anymore. Um, when we write to somebody, it should be really heartfelt and uh, like writing to a friend. For right. Sure. Right. I think the way he described it was a buddy down at the pub. Yes. Right. Like you wouldn't sell that person something. You would just talk to them about their problems and and just be a, you know, a supportive ear. And then if you have something to suggest, suggest it. Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't know about you, Howard, but the whole idea of marketing, you, you called it yucky marketing. It was really hard for me. That was the hardest part for me in the beginning. But when I changed my mind around that, you know, that this is not really me trying to sell you something. This is about um, transformation and change and being in service to people who need our our expertise. Mm. Yeah, and I've I've struggled with this for many years because I was a you know professional online marketer for yeah. about fifteen years and did not like it. Like every day, I woke up trying to convince myself that I was doing good. And arguably, like I was or I wasn't, but it didn't matter because it wasn't what I should have been doing. Right. So I have this sort of, you know, yucky sense around it. And as I find myself now having to market again to to share my gifts with the world, what I'm discovering is that the 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 resistance isn't the thing I was doing. It's my my ego attachment to it. Right. Like if I'm a good person, then I don't right. have to I don't toot my horn. I shouldn't be interested in material gain. Right. Or I don't want to. Here's the big thing. I don't want other people to judge me for selling. Oh, yeah. So that's a huge thing. You know, um, first of all, we're all going to get judged some way, somehow. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> and how else can we get out there? I mean, Every single thing that you have in the background of your office, Howard, is something that you purchased from somebody who was selling it and you needed it, right? It, these are things that you yeah. needed and the, or you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so what do you think of the people who sold, sold you those things? Well, see, anything what, anything well, negative? Of course not, right? No. I mean, what comes up for me when you say that is I'm exactly like my clients who want to get thin without changing how they eat, right? Like <laughs> I, I want I want people to come to me. I'm so, I feel so entitled, <laughs> like partly I'm like I'm like burning with shame at, the, at this realization. I feel yeah. like people should just know about me and hire me without me having to do any of the things that people have to do to get business. Right, of course. Well, you know, and that's that's such a, a really beautiful concept and just not real. Um, somebody I really love watching is Sarah Blakely from Spanx. If you ever follow her on Instagram, she's never selling Spanx on her Instagram account. She's just being her amazing, wonderful, beautiful self. And then Spanx is, you know, a completely different Instagram account. You can't help but love Sarah Blakely and love Spanx all in one because you love Sarah Blakely, right? It's a, it's a soft sell. What can we do and I hate even using that word soft sell. It, it's just about the service. What are we providing people to to help them change, to help them improve or to get happier or to make things better for them? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I got I really struggled with this, especially early on when I was a massage therapist, because 
how do you spend time putting your hands on somebody and actually helping them physically in in a really very intimate way like it's you're connected right mm -hmm. and um and then asking them for money that was really hard in the beginning and so what what other therapists and chiropractors told me was this is where you know having a receptionist at the front desk is really helpful yeah. you know they yeah. handle that you handle this and in a lot of cases um, as a coach it's great to have a sales team or a salesperson who handles that and then you just handle the coaching and um, and that but in the beginning you've got to get good at it you've got to get good at, at selling your service because at some point you're gonna to have to teach somebody else to do that for you mm. is that something you help people with you help coaches with this part the mental game of selling yeah. And marketing yeah I mean it's a really important piece the very first book that I read on this was Jensen Sincero's book. It's called uh -huh. uh, You Are a Badass at Making Money. Uh -huh. I, I encourage everybody to read that. OK, cool. Cool. Um, so once once they're in, like what uh, what's out there for coaches? Uh, maybe just some like tips and tidbits about platforms and you mentioned instant teleseminar, which I use and Zoom, which I use and Skype, which I use. Yeah. Um, what, what else is out there that can that can, you know, make things happen that we thought maybe couldn't happen? Well, I mean, it depends on what you want to do, if it's private coaching, group coaching. I mean, all of it is great. Uh, Facebook, um, you know, I don't do a ton on Facebook, except I have my private groups on Facebook. So whatever group that I'm coaching, whatever whatever I'm doing, if I'm running a, um, you know, a challenge or whatever it is, I have a Facebook group for that specific thing. Mm -hmm. I usually have a Facebook group when I run a summit every year. Uh, I have a place in Facebook for um, the, the attendees to collaborate and the speakers to come in and, and share. So Facebook groups are really great. Um, I'm not a huge social media person, although I, I know I need to work on that. But I'd like to add, just as an aside here, you don't have to have a gazillion people following you on social media in order to have a really strong and successful online business. That's mm. a really important piece. Um, you do need subscribers, though. Your email list is going to be really important. And so I would say that a really critical thing to do very early on for new coaches is to find or to make a decision about who what company is going to host your email subscribers and so I personally use Aweber I know MailChimp is out there Entreport there's so many different ones Infusionsoft I think has changed names um, Howard I don't know which one do you use uh -huh. well I was on Aweber for a while for many years then I went to MailChimp because it looked cooler. And now I have everything in a platform called Simplero, which is a, a shopping cart and email and marketing and stuff all all in one. All in one. Uh, and but I think the important thing is like pick one. Like when I started, there was only two. There was Aweber or GetResponse. Um, okay. And whichever one I got, like I would ruminate about was this the perfect one? And I think like a lot of us have this um, yeah. sort of pre-programmed pre regret module in our brains, like instant buyer's remorse or should I, you know, I'm going to keep checking out, oh, this one is new or here's a new like all in one coaching platform that does the billing for me. 
And I think like whatever works, like just just go with that and don't worry about what else is out there. You know, you just hit on one of the most critical points of becoming an online entrepreneur. And that is that, you know, all of these indecisions that like all of these things that we can't decide about, all of these options that we get stuck on, this is just your mind keeping you stuck, right? It's just your mind um, playing some games with you so that you don't take the next step. I mean, you can get stuck on which email provider to use forever. You just pick one and move on. There isn't really a wrong answer. You just pick one and go, right? Right, right. And that's, yeah, and that's, and again, like, I, I hear this echo between what we're trying to help our clients with and what we need to help ourselves with. It's all the same stuff. It's right. all the same thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anything else? We've got a couple couple minutes left. Um, anything else you uh, don't want to tell, you know, coaches who are venturing into the online space, either to yeah. work individually or to, to form groups and to create courses? Um, I would say to people that, you know, it's really great to if you're just starting out, to start working one on one with people because people will tell you what they need. They'll help you uh, create content. They'll help to guide you while you guide them and they'll give you feedback along the way. And after you've coached several people, then you might think about putting a group program together and group programming is so phenomenal because it's like no longer are you trading time for money. It's like you get to put something together, you have a course created, and then you get to deliver it to uh, a number of people at once. And that's where, you know, it, it's just golden because people benefit from the group aspect and from private coaching. I always offer private coaching with my group programs as well because, again, I'm, uh, I'm just – offering everything I can to um, to touch on all of the learning styles. And so um, I, I think it's great. Start with individual coaching one on one and let that help you create some sort of course that you can deliver to a group. Great, great. So if, if uh, coaches and prospective coaches want to know more about you and get some more of your wisdom and maybe some of your help, where do they go? So please email me. My my website is in transition right at the moment. So my email is margofrytag1 at gmail.com. Okay, better spell uh, both of those. Margofrytag, M-A-R-G-O-T-F as in Frank, R-E-I-T-A-G, one, the number one, that is, at gmail.com. Great. Okay. And when uh, do you know what your URL will be when it's untransitioned? Well, I do have the URL. It's margofrytag.com. Okay, great. So if people can, you know, people will be listening to this in the future. Awesome. Then maybe it will be ready. Cool. Well, Margo, thank you so much. It's uh, a lot to chew on. There's a whole bunch of things I'm going to look at from my notes about ways that I can help more people in more ways from this conversation. And I really want to thank you for the work you do and for taking the time today. Howard, thank you so much for having me. It's great. Take care. You too.
I hope you found that helpful. So if you'd like to become a health coach or maybe you already are a health coach and you'd like some additional training and more skills, or perhaps you're a health professional, a doctor, nurse, dietitian, etc., who would like to be able to influence your patients more effectively. Again, check it out. Wellstartcoach.com. All right. Have a great day.